Okay, folks, we're back for Two Guys in the Cloud. Uh, Bob, you were right last time we talked. That was episode 13. So yes. we have we've gotten past that number 13. We are now at episode 14. Yes. And no more bad today, luck. 2020 is over. <laughs> episode 13 yeah, is over. Right. We are now at 14. So we got two lucky guests today. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we are joined with uh, Sarah Baskerville and Lou Cody of Smart Technology. So, folks, thank you for joining us. Glad yeah, thanks for having us. And, um, of course, Bob and I are the two co-hosts and two guys in the cloud, and we'll be here talking to Sarah and Lou about the the cloud and its impact in education. So that's a huge topic. And, you know, what when we say education, we're talking about K through 12, we're talking about higher ed, the whole thing. I'm sure we're going to bounce back and forth. But, you know, clearly the cloud has been instrumental in, you know, critical in terms of how our society has navigated through this last year. And we just thought that this would be a, you know, very timely conversation. So we're really happy that you all are here. Um, as tradition holds, you know, what we love to do is start this thing by hearing how, you know, our guests have gotten into the world of technology. We have found that that's just kind of fascinating. Um, never one is the same. So I'm I'm all ears here. Um, so Sarah Lou, tell us, how'd you get here? Go ahead, Sarah. Lou, okay. Um, so I actually am a former teacher myself. So my degree is in elementary education. Um, and then when I took on my first teaching role, um, it was for a teacher that was going on maternity leave. I decided to go back and work on my master's in special education. Um, I did not finish though, because then I quickly realized um, I wanted to get more into the education tech industry and there was an opening. So I kind of ditched everything teaching and master's related and started my sales career. Um, but as a teacher, I got really into technology because I had several students using it to be able to communicate um, with their peers, with their family members, with myself because um, I wasn't a special, you know, education classroom. I was a SPED teacher. And just seeing the way that technology impacted their life um, was really inspiring to me. And I wanted to learn more about that technology and, you know, what more could it do? So that, you know, kind of put me where I'm at today because the company that provided the technology that allowed my students to communicate had an opening. I went and worked with them um, for about two or three years in selling their solution. Um, and I not only sold into the K-12 space, but also um, into the adult space as well. So I worked a lot with um, like the ALS foundations across the Midwest. Um, and, you know, speech and language pathologists and how we can use at that time my company's technology in order to help these individuals communicate through like their eye gaze. They could actually look at a screen and select phrases and letters and words to put together. Um, and, you know, if they were able to type um, and, and use their hands and have that dexterity, then we had technology for that as well. So it just kind of opened up this whole world to me of like, wow, technology doesn't just have to be used, you know, at kind of the consumer level. 
Um, but people really depend on communicating their needs through through technology. So um, unfortunately, that company I was working for, they merged with one of our top competitors and there just wasn't much opportunity for some of us <laughs> to go any further. Um, and I had always had my eye on smart technologies because I also used them in the classroom as a teacher. Um, I had a smart board in my room and used the software and there was an opening in Chicago. And so I got on with smart about almost five years ago. Um, so that's where I'm, that's where I'm at today. Awesome story. I, yeah, I that's love a really I love, cool story. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, Lou, you, you, you got a tough follow-up to that. Yeah, I know. Well, I almost feel bad. Bob and I don't have to tell our stories. Yeah, <laughs> well, and it, it's funny. If you talk to, there's a lot of people in the technology industry and in even the sales space that are former teachers um, or at least that's how they started out. Um, you just don't know it until you you ask. And being a former teacher, for some reason, I can always kind of tell, and I'm not surprised when somebody that I'm talking to, you know, does have an education background. I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of like this. I don't know, like whole language that we speak, I guess. But um, but yeah, it, it it is funny how many people you meet that their career started in education but because of something that they used in the classroom or an experience they had took them in a different direction. So. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Good story. So Lou, Lou, tell us how you've um, gotten to Lou Cody. <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy story. No, not really. Uh, so I was a sociology major. So naturally I went into sales um, and uh, <laughs> back, back into, oh, I was dating my, date myself here, but I think in 93 is when I started up with a company called Zenith Data Systems, which um, at the time for people that are really, uh, you know, older, uh, you'll remember that they used to have a t TVs and, and that there was a, uh, a group that basically broke off and started making computers. And I, I remember that they were their model at the time was um, they wanted to do a like kind of a just in time setup like Dell had just come onto the scene at that time um, really strongly and they had a very competitively priced PC and people were you know picking up the phone and calling and buying computers as opposed to going to like a lo local computer shop and and Zenith which um, back at the time they had code of they were actually they had a computer without really dating myself they had a computer called the luggable um with a <laughs> category of computers called luggables right and that was which is perfect because just just so you know we our last we we did a recording yesterday on devices in the cloud and yeah. it came uh, this was a big part of the conversation in terms yeah. of you know where we started you know and the idea of lugging your laptop someplace was well, part the, of it the so funny thing perfect. is so it was right before my time that I got to Zenith, but the computers that, so they, I think they co-developed that with Compaq, which is another company that's not around anymore. CO, I don't yeah. remember Compaq. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, sure. Oh, did. Yeah, COMPAQ. I even interviewed with them one time. And so they, they co-developed like these portable computers and um, 
again, it was right before my time, but these luggables were actually almost like the suitcases that, you know, where you have the, the bar and the wheels, like people would wheel these things in and they were probably about 60 pounds for my, if I understand correctly. But so they started selling these notebook computers and, and desktops and all that. And they were hiring an inside sales group in, um, in, in Illinois and that's where I, where I live. And uh, so I kind of joined the team um, to, to do that. And then at, at you know, so just to kind of give a little context, I spent my entire career in the channel, right? And so that means working with um, resellers who sell the manufacturer's product, whether it's hardware or software. And there's always, you know, uh, in LA, and I know you know this, right? The industry you're in as well, right? It's There's so much that goes in between, you know, when a product is manufactured to the time it gets installed, whether it's software, hardware onto a customer. And so you need to have that that channel right the reseller the value-added reseller i think the names have kind of evolved over the years but you need a group of of people of, of businesses that really take it that last mile to the customer and uh, so i've spent my entire career uh in you know working you know usually on, a, on the manufacturing side not always um sometimes at the at, the, at the, the the partner side but working to make sure that they're get, getting what they need they you know business plans this all the all the business things you do to get uh technology into the end user whether it's a uh a company or in this case with smart um with, within schools all right so I, I spent a lot of time in the channel uh over 20 plus years obviously you know I spent a good chunk of time at Microsoft um and you know after that my time there I skipped around a little bit and uh within you know now I've been at smart now for three three plus years and it's the first time I've been in the education space so it was kind of fun you know having spent so much time focused on the business and customer and those the resellers that service those customers um, getting to work in the education space with a cool product that smart sells um, it was really kind of fun and it was almost like not starting over but having to learn a whole new part of the business and and the different type of customers that smart sold to as opposed to what i was familiar with yeah no yes it's, it's a journey and i know that there's a lot of rewarding elements to kind of coupling a, a career in technology with a solution that you know helps people so that's right. that's you know that's really good bob you're on the cost yeah i got, I got one story I guess. yeah i gotta share a story with lou so uh you, you talk about dating yourself i'm gonna really date myself but this was when i was a kid so when i was a kid um my grandfather bought us a gigantic zenith tv okay <laughs> It was one of the big ones of the tubes, and it had like this wooden case around it. I mean, it must have weighed like 500 pounds. It took four or five people to move the damn thing. But we get it in, okay, and um, here comes the dated part. It was one of the first remote TVs ever. Right. So it, it was a, a chink sound. It's a chink yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> it had the four buttons that. on it. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it was to chink to chink and it was remote by sound. And when the dog barked or you dropped your keys, it would change the channel. <laughs> it was all based on sound. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Sarah has uh, no idea what we're talking about right now. I don't. Now. No, she doesn't. Yeah, She's like, I don't I'm just laughing and nodding. It's like, yeah. She's being so polite. You could see it in her face. And it was a mechanical yes. thing, which is the funniest part, right? It, yeah. It was like a, a metal uh, ping sound. So. It was. It was. It yeah. was just hilarious. But you and needed like you needed four buttons. Yeah. Yep. Right. 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 Well, I, I remember, you know, we're going off on the old TV stuff, but I remember um, 
like after like Sunday after saying going to church, some go to my grandmother's house and she had a black and white TV in her living room that we would go watch old movies in black and white, but it didn't matter if they were in color because her TV was black and white. Right. And trying to explain to you know your kids that there were like maybe five channels if you got that you know in Chicago area there was it was W was it WPWR w- channel fifty. WGN. Oh yeah. I yeah right. There was the like other, I don't know. ABC, NBC, CBS, WGN. <laughs> yep. That's right. There were yeah, four yep. or five maybe. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, now see, you guys got me on this TV thing. That so forwarding into the future. I mean, do you guys remember when you got your first um, DVR? Oh sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the um, I just um, it just flew out of my head the, with the first one, the TiVo. Mm-hmm. I actually when those were coming out, no one had had them, and there was a contest that popped up. I don't know where it was. I somehow found it online even back then, and you had to write some poem or something like why you deserved. A TiVo. They're just going to give them out, and they selected m- me, and and I got this thing in the mail, and my wife's like, "What? Are, what is this thing?" And as soon as like you could start recording TV, you know, basically on a hard drive, it was like, uh, you know, it, blew your mind. Kind of blew everybody. I do remember mind. the TiVo. That yeah. Nice, Sarah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> feel, we'll bring the conversation back into this century, but uh, the. Um, other thing for me was like when the first plasma, I remember going into, um, you know, uh, electronic store and seeing the first plasma TV and looking at it. Wow. And it was $12,000. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll take a pass on that one. <laughs> so great, you know, so great opportunity to pivot yes. to uh, higher education or K through 12 and technology in the cloud and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I know we can start almost anywhere. And, you know, I guess I want to start with where smart is today. You know, so I, a bit of cheating, you know, my, my wife is a teacher. So I've, I've watched as, you know, she's leveraged, you know, the smart board. And I want to say Prometheus. I don't know if that's correct or not. But other, other technologies that are used within a classroom. Um, and they're physical. And, you know, they're used to, you know, I guess... Sarah, you described it so well, you know, the idea of coupling technology with the learning process to help students evolve faster, you know, however we want to put it. Um, but then today, obviously, you know, we're not in the classroom, so we're leveraging technology in different ways. How is it, how's it playing out today? I mean, how, how are we in the classroom today taking care of business with the cloud or technology? Yeah, great question. Um, and being a former teacher and I taught in, it was like 2009 to 2012. Um, and where technology was then to like when I'm in classrooms today, what I see, uh, it definitely has caught up (laughs) because I, I feel like right when I was out of college, got my first teaching job back then. Um, I, I just felt like people weren't putting an emphasis on the importance of technology in the classroom. The fact that these students are going to leave this education space one day and they're not going to have the skills to, you know, set themselves up for success in the workforce um, or whether they go on to higher education. Um, I, I truly felt that when, when I was a teacher then, but now when I go into classrooms, most classrooms, I am very impressed, excuse me, impressed with how I see students leveraging the cloud, leveraging hardware, um, 
and even communicating with um, you know their peers and and their teachers using those tools. So it's you know that's that's really exciting that we've gotten to that point. Um, I will say when I started at Smart, um, we had just introduced a cloud solution um, called the Smart Learning Suite Online. However, it wasn't really off the ground just yet. Um, it was very, very early stages. Um, and again, just within these last five years to see where we're at today with that and how our number of users has increased, um, it has been really exciting to see. So, you know, technology, education had to evolve and I really think technology I don't want to say forced, but because um, that sounds kind of negative, but it did. It, it kind of forced um, education to catch up with what we're doing in the workspace and what we're doing in higher education day to day. So, yeah, right. Okay, so that's interesting. So I, it almost means that there's sort of two conversations. You know, there's how does technology help a student learn better in general, mm -hmm. period, and then there is how does how does the classroom or how do teachers or how does education leverage technology to prepare the student for the world out there that uses and needs technology every day? There's sort of like two buckets. Yeah. And I, you know, my, my first thought is, you know, just in terms of how are we helping students learn better, better today mm -hmm. through technology? So, you know, like yep. I, I know, you know, like if I look at it's it's hilarious. I, my, my, my wife's classroom is literally below me. I'm in the attic yeah. of my home and the classroom is like below me. And every once in a while, you know, I'll go downstairs and I'll walk by and I'll listen to them talking and it's adorable, you know, yeah. that, you know, I'm doing all this and I love the banter. And she only once let me say hi to the class. And I almost got nauseous because there were all these little faces like bouncing all over the place. They're like <laughs> second graders who can't stop moving and I'm just watching them. And it's, and it's adorable, right? And it's clear that you know, they're, we're, they're using technology to learn, you know, they're, they're on Zoom and they're, you know, using video to communicate and there's some collaboration there, but I don't know anymore. So right. what, what are the tools, what are, the, what are we using from a technology perspective, you know, vis-a-vis, -vis, and it doesn't have to be the cloud, but in this case, I think it's baked in. How are we helping students learn better using technology? So two things really come to mind for me. One of those is we are able to take students places that they never, you know, have been before using technology. Um, and some students will never get the opportunity to go to certain places because of a, you know, their demographic or or whatever. So the fact that we're able to open their eyes to just different people, different cultures, um, just different things through technology is really important um, and something that when I was in school and we didn't have that type of technology, you know, myself, you guys, we were never able to experience that at a young age unless we were physically taken there by, you know, our parents or a family member or whatever. So, um, so to me, that's really cool that we can give every student an opportunity to experience something different. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is, and this is kind of a buzzword in education right now, but it's it's true in that we, through technology, can kind of check in better with our students. And in education, we refer to that as social-emotional learning. Um, you know, again, if we, if we think back to when we all were in school, 
teachers assessed your knowledge by, um, I mean, most teachers, you fill out a worksheet or you fill in your bubbles on your Scantron sheet and they grade it, you know, and, and that was that. You turn in a physical piece of paper um, and that's how you were assessed. Nowadays, through technology, teachers have the ability to not just assess your knowledge, but also assess, you know, how you're feeling about a certain subject um, or how you're feeling about, you know, maybe interacting with your peers. Um, and I say that because there are a lot of solutions now in education that allow teachers to do this without students putting their name on it. So, you know, a teacher may be able to send out just a quick either check for understanding or, hey guys, how are we feeling about this? You know, do you feel like you need more support? Um, are you feeling behind? However they, you know, um, frame the question. And students can actually respond, you know, without their name being tied to their, to their response. So they're gonna feel more comfortable um, by sharing that information instead of the teacher calling on you, <clears throat> you know, to read and you're, you don't feel comfortable reading in front of the class type of thing. So those are the two main things that, that come to mind. Being a former teacher myself and then still being in the industry and kind of comparing now to when I was a teacher, those are the two things that I see um, have vastly improved, so. Can, can, I, I, can I touch on that? Oh, sorry, Lou, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that, um, I wanted to mention that even before COVID happened, there had been a very strong trend um, in schools deploying what's called the one-to-one -one technology, right? So uh, even in the classroom, you know, I've got kids that are uh, gone through high school, I've got one still in high school, and they were all issued these Chromebooks, right? And uh, that allowed for a lot of that type of uh, interaction that Sarah's talking about. But, um, and it's certainly uh, that we don't sell those, but it's, it, it definitely became once once COVID hit um, the need to be able to remote teach and to have kids engaged and process the information and just do their work uh, at home became you know much more um, of a key need and um, and and so what we saw in the industry was even you know things that we were anticipating where budgets were going to go towards buying our panels it went to devices right and so a lot of like just i don't think there were i think chromebooks are still getting delivered that were purchased probably six months ago right because there was such a surge in need for those and um what and what that allows and even when you think about cell phones right um we our technology is designed so that you can share it out not just like with when you're in a classroom with these kids if they have their their chromebooks up and we're doing this one-to-one -one, um engaging of the material with the teacher while while they're teaching but it works while they're at home too so you can have a teacher in a like some of them are you know are going to the cl their classroom at the school using our panels but then you know sharing a zoom video call but then also using say smart software to make sure that the kids are seeing the actual documents on their device in front of them at the same time so i think it's been really interesting um i think smart was well positioned um as a solution prior to covid but once COVID hit and then once there was this push for one-to-one -one technology we really fit 
nicely with the situation and we've seen a lot of more you know we, you know smart's been in doing this over 20 years but uh, it's been an interesting resurgence of in in our software uh solution in addition to our hardware good yeah. good so guys i got a question um i have a college freshman and um a my daughter's in high school and one of the things I was frustrated with as they went through the school systems is the lack of technology in the classroom. And my question to you is why has education, and maybe this is my perception, so I'll ask it that way as well. My perception has been education market as a whole has been a little bit afraid of technology, afraid of leveraging some of the things that um, we use in business or use in everyday life. Um, and haven't le leveraged that in the classroom to the best of their ability. Is there a reason for that? Is it cost? Is it, are they worried about support? What has made the educational market so uh, averse to technology? That's probably the best way to put it. So it's a great question. And I think it totally depends on where you're at, you know, because it every district leader is going to have a different philosophy on technology in the classroom, you're going to see some districts and I cover every state west of like from Illinois west. So I cover lots of different regions throughout um, the US. But, you know, every district and kind of their philosophy towards um, technology is different. Y you have some leaders that are very progressive um and just way ahead of the game and you can see that in how they implement and how they train staff and get technology into the hands of students um you have some districts who have leaders who themselves are a little um, intimidated by technology so therefore they're not gonna you know pursue it as heavily as another district so it really depends on kind of the leadership at at each district, I would say. Yeah, Lou, I don't know. If yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I've definitely, you know, I don't cover as many states as Sarah, and we're a little bit, again, on the different sides of the coin. Sarah's focused on the, the these schools, uh, engaging with them directly, and I'm working with the resellers that sell to those schools. Um, I cover about eight states in what we call the Central Plains Territory. And it's interesting, right, kind of to underscore what Sarah's saying, state by state there are different um philosophies strategies and you know i just coming back to coming into the education space for people that are maybe doing that now um for the first time or or, or or not unfamiliar with it it was interesting to me to understand and it makes total sense once you're in it but they do have you know tech administrators and people that are solely focused on technology much like a company would be within the context of their environment right so but you do have people making these decisions and um i i think the you know the answer to the question about why are you know some of them are just spending money on different things right there could be like we talked about chromebooks which is it's technology but it's say different than buying panels or overhead projectors um there's more you know, we, we, we typically when we go through, our, like say a normal year, you're going to trade shows, um, there are some unbelievable amount of things that schools and districts can purchase, whether it's technology or otherwise, that is being innovated every year. So that budget goes, it could be going towards buying 
you know, something still tangible like flashcards or, you know, uh, robot kits and 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 some of its books and, and, and some of the stuff that is more traditional. So I think it's like they're always weighing that budget and saying, OK, we're going to set aside this amount for technology and this for others. And then I, I do think that there are some have just de depending on the school district that you're in, they just have a philosophy that technology is um less or more important some people think it's distracting and then some people embrace it as far as they can possibly take it uh, that said i do see even the 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 states that i'll say have been lagging behind whether it's for whatever reason including budget we are seeing them going you know slowly some of them are still moving in the direction of more technology and i would say you know your kids might be out of school by the time that it's fully implemented but um, I think within the next five years, you won't have a classroom that doesn't have some type of interactivity, one-to-one uh, -one devices, and you know even VR and all these things. I think it's going to become very, very commonplace. Last thing I'll say, which at least in my experience, the 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 schools that have lagged behind hasn't been so much the K through 12. It's actually been the universities and colleges. Um, we sell way more technology to K through 12 than we do. Hmm through through college to colleges because just for, for a lot of different reasons right but um but we're starting to see them also engage with us and other technology companies to get their um their their, their classrooms up to speed good and, thank you and i'll add to that I'll as well that you know you, well. Could you could put hardware and hardware technology, technology into the hands of students but as a district, as an organization, if you don't have a model of how to implement that successfully and kind of track progress on that, then, you know, it, it's going to be just a piece of hardware. Um, so you have to be able to have, you know, benchmarks and, and measurable tools um, as you implement that. You can't just say, OK, we just unboxed all these Chromebooks here students, here you go, and call it a day. Like, you know, the, the districts that are successfully using technology, they follow specific models on how to measure success of students using that technology, if that makes sense. And just one other thing about that in relation to SMART, um, to Sarah's point, which is a lot of people in Sarah's role and, and the sales reps that are underneath her and her peers, they are all many of them are former educators and so they can talk the language when they go into these schools but we have a whole efficacy and implementation team and we to, again to just just it's it's one thing to sell technology but to understand how it fits in the classroom and how you get results as sarah's saying smart that's a huge priority for smart and i think it speaks to the need for um not just coming out with the latest piece of technology because the you know someone that created it thinks it's cool and it's going to help people it's you really have to integrate it into the workflow um or we talk a lot about meeting meeting kids where they're at meeting schools where they're at you can't just dump a bunch of technology on a school and think that they're they're going to be successful in it. it it's a very much a thought out process um that schools go through at least the ones that are doing it you're having doing it for a while. I think the schools that are coming into the technology are learning that it's 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 not as simple as you know ordering a bunch of panels. It's how does this fit into our daily uh, teaching flow so we're getting the outcomes that we we want. Yeah, they need a technology strategy, not a point solution, right? One hundred percent. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I would also imagine COVID 
pulled some of the laggards ahead um, quickly, right? Because they had to find um, a solution in a matter of days to do remote yeah. learning um, than, uh, than, you know, years, which they probably would have liked to have. So well, that, that right. was yep. the situation and, the, and, and luckily the funding that came in from the government that allowed them, a lot of schools to accelerate their technology. Uh, right. So hopefully technology will, for some of those laggards, be a big step forward now. And, you know, with all the negatives we talked about in our year-end show, all the negatives that um, 2020 brought us, maybe that will be a positive um, moving forward. So that's great to hear. Yep. yep. And I think it'll, it, it's kind of, it will give students more flexibility and parents moving forward. This whole notion of blended learning, I'm sure you guys have heard that it's not new because of COVID. Blended learning has been around and it's basically just meeting students where they're at if they have to be home. Because um, like I have a, a friend, her daughter is in first grade and she's battling leukemia. So she still has a year of treatment. And so even pre-COVID, her daughter, you know, was only learning from home because it was too dangerous for her to go to school. Um, so you know, her school was able to meet her where she was at and provide the technology to be able to, you know, keep her um, up to speed and not fall behind at all. And clearly COVID has forced that <laughs> students and teachers to do that across the world. So it's really, really interesting to see. So. Yeah. So, okay. Fascinating conversation. And so the two things that I'm pulling from that one is, you know, hey, the cloud enabled us to deliver workstations like the Chrome workbook in a cost-effective way so that we could survive as an educational nation, you know, during a time of crisis. The other thing is the cloud enables this, you know, helping the student where they are, you know, so the remote learning kind of concept. And then, Lou, what you said was really fascinating to me, this idea that you know, as the teacher and student are engaging in education, there are learnings along the way that I imagine are being captured through, you know, the smart ecosystem. And forgive me, I don't have the right words because, you know, but you, you said the, lear the learning, the learning suite, you know, and I'm yeah. imagining you're building, you, you know, what I think is implied in there is that you're building this level of intelligence, this idea of what are best practices, this idea of what are the KPIs that should be looked at in order for a student to know if they're on track or not. And and is that is that where smart's pivoting? Is that where smart is now? Where it's sort of, hey, we're not to Bob's point, that point solution anymore. We're this entire, you know, best practice suite. Is that right. what this is? Well, yeah, and, and Sarah can certainly go into more detail, but just a, a, what I would say is that, um, when you look at say our, our learning smart, smart software you know there's different there's all these different lmss or learning management systems that are out there and you have the big ones which are you know maybe obvious like google or or even microsoft they have these big cloud platforms right that um offer a lot of things to businesses to education and you know certainly google's been one of the leading companies uh building these platforms that teachers have access to to share their files to, to all types of things like that you know smart is like another layer on top of that now and what those platforms have allowed us to do is to innovate in our specific 
uh, to your point, like, you know, we call them KPIs from a business standpoint, but these yeah, different I know. measurements. I knew, I knew yeah, the I, I, I said it I'm still flying. learning too. So but but we, they're able to measure, and, and that really, I think, is where things are going, right, is being able to say, great, you have all this technology, you have access to the cloud, it's wonderful, it's amazing, but is it doing what we want it to do? And how do you know that, right? Um, I'm sure you guys, uh, Bob, with you know your daughter in high school, you may be signed up to uh, some type of a text uh, service, right? Where if you you get your 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 kids' grades and that shows you how they're doing, and that's a good like check. Sometimes they don't like that, of course, um, but the kids. But it's it allows you to as a parent to check in, and I think things like that that allow you to say, hey, is this is this working? Are we having success? Um, Smart is very cognizant of that and building technology that will allow teachers to, you know, share that information out, measure what their uh, reactions are. And even just some of the stuff that's built into our software, which is like these response uh, capabilities, you know, it's not just watching a, a, a screen, right, and say, OK, now it's just a digital screen versus the whiteboard or chalkboard at the school. Um, they can have, you know, teacher can check for understanding in the middle of a lesson within Smart Learning Suite. And they could throw the teacher once they're proficient, which doesn't honestly take that long. They could throw up a multiple choice in the middle of the the class and say, "Hey, are you guys understanding what it means? You know that, that you know what uh, whatever the division of a cell is happening. You know mitosis. I'm just going to throw out fancy words, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't remember any of those things. But um, I'm a sociology major. But you know what I'm saying, right? They can check for understanding in the middle of it, and it like so. It's not just about hey, how did this day go? How did this week or month or year go? It's literally in the middle of a class. Teacher can pause, put a few questions out there and get immediate feedback so she understands if the kids are, are learning. And that's that's extremely important in this scenario of remote teaching, right? Where it, the teacher doesn't have the ability to be in the same room um, and, and and understand the looks on the faces, you know, especially now with kids I know what they do. They put their panels down and they show the ceiling fan and teachers are just like, they can't stop every time a kid does that. So this at least allows them to say, hey, did everyone respond? Do they understand what's happening? And so that that's it, SMART is all about trying to help teachers with that aspect of, of teaching. Yeah, so what are the, you know, are there learnings from all that, you know, this year or over time where, all of, you know, some sort of aggregation of information, something that over the last year has been a pronounced learning? Well, um, do you mean like at SMART specifically? No, it, it doesn't have to okay. be. I mean, you know, the way I look at this is, you know, for maybe the first time ever, you know, we have this ability to really truly measure and understand how our children are learning and what's working and what's not working. And, you know, there's this thought that we've, something was surprising, you know, that, oh God, it doesn't work like that. Or you'd be surprised how much they actually pick up within, you know, this sort of context or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say like one individual thing. I, and I, I would even go beyond this past year, um, I, I think one thing that we've that that at least I've seen, and this is coming from my perspective. Again, I'm not a teacher, as you know, but I am in and out of well, pre-COVID, I was in and out of a lot of classrooms and a, and a lot of schools working with them. Um, one thing that I've seen these types of solutions 
um, kind of force is more collaboration amongst students um, and teachers. And, you know, like you go into a classroom, well, <laughs> post-COVID and even pre-COVID, you saw classrooms kind of shifting to these like pods or like learning centers, if you will, um, like newly renovated schools, some that I've walked into, they have classrooms, but then they also have these little conference spaces because with an actual conference like table and some chairs and students can connect their device and you know share content to the main monitor in that room as if you would in a business type setting or meeting and you know that was kind of the whole goal is moving away from desks you know in rows and students only working on their individual work and not being able to ask their neighbor for help like technology is helping um, education move away from that model because to me that model doesn't work you don't use that model when you go into the workforce at all so why would we set our students up for that right so um, I, I do like how these solutions um, are helping students collaborate more um, with one another and you know teachers assess differently because of that so they they're not just assessing on whether you know Tommy got these 10 answers correct on this worksheet teachers are assessing on how Tommy is interacting with his peers now more than ever and is he asking peers for help and and to work together on this um, you know which is something that's not on paper right um so so that's you know that's one thing that kind of one of the main things that that i've seen over the last several years as to what i guess teachers um and us at smart what we're learning because of technology and how we kind of adjust the way we teach and then adjust our product offering to um to meet that yeah no that's that makes perfect sense that's a, that's a real interesting point because i never thought about collaboration in schools being being bad but it, it you know when we were in school that was cheating right right? <laughs> yeah. right and there's a lot of you know the, the reason that there's a term old school is because there's a lot of people that are stuck in that type of mindset and collaboration now is is really important and if you can't collaborate in in the world in a business session and socially you know collaborate um you're you're missing it and finally having the school system catch up to that is a great point sarah i never really thought about it like that that's a that's a very solid point um you know collaboration being a big thing that schools had to overcome and work having people work together is not a bad thing because right. um because yeah. if you're you know if you're not if you're struggling with a topic or struggling with a theory or an area, you may learn better from a peer than you would even a teacher that's a, right. an authority figure, right? So, you know, opening up that collaboration um, can only help that uh, person. And I'm sure there's ways to use it for bad things, but um, it, uh, to me, that's, there's a lot of upside there. So that's very interesting. Yep, because we all think differently. So why not gain your perspective and how you, you know, resolved this this issue? 
Um, Cause yeah, even you're gonna think differently than your teacher. Um, and I actually hear a lot of that, like these teachers who do grasp this concept and who are very progressive and how they instruct and you know, how they use technology, they always say, well, I learn most from my students. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no going back to a class or a textbook that's going to teach me what my students have taught me. So, you know, even a, a quick story from myself, my daughter was struggling in math this past semester and one of her peers on the swim team said, you know, I'd be happy to tutor you. And I was like, okay, when is he coming over? And she's like, Dad, he doesn't need to come over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can just do it right here with him on, on you know, whatever. So Snapchat. Yeah. Not Snapchat. That's right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I got that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so well, and uh, we always have to be on the lookout for device isolation is the term that we use, at least in education. We don't want students to get isolated on their devices. We want them to use their devices to really enhance and facilitate collaboration, which is kind of a, you know, it, it's um, a, what a double-edged sword, I guess, because a lot of times we as humans isolate ourselves on our devices. Um, and I think that happened early on in education when, because again, when I was a teacher, iPads were the hot new thing. Like the first model iPad, I remember like my classroom got them and then it's like, okay, great. Everybody gets an iPad, but then they're just all on like playing their own education apps. And it's like, wait, this, I don't think, I think we're missing the point here. So even that, you know, that whole concept had to kind of be worked out in education and we've gotten a lot better at it. So I, I, can I tell you how grateful I am to hear that? You know, I seriously, I, one of the topics that I had thought of going into this discussion was, you know, our social responsibility when it comes to technology yeah. and it comes mm -hmm. to education. And, you know, I, and, and then there's two things that were just said in the last five minutes that are fantastic if you really think about it, you know, that through technology, we're developing a culture within our children to collaborate, to understand each other better, to be able to come to a better understanding, which our society clearly desperately needs. And, you know, just being able to build in those fundamentals into the way they learn how to evolve is critical. And then the flip side to it is at least acknowledging the fact that, you know, technology, like anything else, has two sides, a good and a bad. There, you know, technology is not bad. Technology is. And it's how you, you know, leverage it. And the fact that our education system acknowledges that there's such a thing as I'm going to slaughter this device isolation, you know, yeah, is, you, <laughs> you know, is, in, is, is important and, um, you know, being able to be tuned into that. And if we identify that there's a student that is there, you know, cause the last thing we need is, you know, people growing up to only get one source of truth or one sense of anything. And this is, this is great. I'm really happy to hear all those things. I'm glad that, you know, I think it's really important that as, education evolves and becomes so tightly linked to technology that there's that understanding and that social responsibility. So I'm really happy to hear it. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's and, a very large school district that I'm thinking about um, in my territory that they have plenty of resources and, and they definitely have implemented technology, you know, about, I would say as far as it can go, but definitely they're in the probably uh, five percentile or, you know, upper five percentile of implementation of technology. And 
and, and, and whatever else they need, the resources. And, you know, they do this annual conference. And I think about two years ago, I was at this conference and they shifted away. The whole topic, the whole focus of that conference, or I wouldn't say the whole, but like the majority focus was on social and emotional learning and situations um, because they had a, had a jump in suicide rates in their school district and the maybe some of the pressure that these kids felt that they were under and they kind of full stop they just kind of addressed it head on to the entire uh you know district and and started focusing on that so i, I to kind of underscoring your your point which is school technology is a tool and if it, the tool helps you get where you need to go that's great but you know we're all human beings and we we, we live with technology we don't live at uh you know under technology right we should we should engage as humans and not always just through technology when possible obviously in the times that we're in it's a little bit more challenging but um schools are very aware of that and i think that you know it kind of is a little bit like a pendulum right when you think oh hey there's this new thing that can help to us as kids and in, in schools you know schools that have resources they go all in which is great but then there does need to be that recognition that it's not the end all be all it needs to be integrated and not just deployed right yeah, well said. So what are we not covering? I mean, what is, you know, if you think about your world and, you know, what's what are the challenges in terms of education and enabling technology within education? What, what are the hotspots? What are the things that, you know, you wake up, you know, because I <laughs> I wake up thinking about things like KPIs, you know, different <laughs> things, you know, like what 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 are you worried about? So one thing that I was going to that I wanted to talk about, but there really wasn't an appropriate time to squeeze it in yet, was um, the fact that, and this is SMART related, at SMART, we, you know, really have focused the last several years on partnerships and integrating with, um, like Lou mentioned earlier, like Google and Microsoft. And, you know, some people would think, well, isn't that your competitor? And it, it's not because Google and Microsoft offer the platform. We help enhance that platform for teachers and students, right? So if I'm a teacher and all of my content for my day to deliver my lessons is saved in my Google Drive, for instance, why would I want one of, you know, and why would I want one of our end users to go outside of their Google Drive in order to use our solution? So we really focus on integrating with teachers' daily workflows so that it's easy for them to use and it's super convenient. So that's just one example of, you know, from Google Drive, you can now access your smart content and launch it and start delivering it to students right away. You can do the same thing through Microsoft Teams. Um, and we have a whole team at SMART dedicated to working on, on these, these ongoing partnerships um, with these other education technology companies. Um, you know, teachers, the way grades are now, there's no such thing, well, I'm sure there is a such thing as like a physical grade book, but again, if we all think back to when we were in school, I remember my teacher sitting there at the desk writing, physically writing in grades on a grade book, right? Well, that's all cloud-based nowadays. So in using our solution, um, how can you pull assessment from our solution and it go directly into your online grade book? So again, without having to even copy and paste, like how does it just import directly from us 
to your online gradebook system, again, to make it easy and efficient for you as the teacher. Um, so those types of integrations and partnerships are a huge focus at SMART right now um, and will continue to be so. Um, no, I'm glad. And frankly, that's where, you know, folks like Bob and I live, right? So, you know, from our in our world, it's, you know, working with folks like, you know, you and companies like SMART to help them build those points, let's call it points of integration and, okay. you know, enhance your solutions so that, you know, things are better, stronger, faster, right? And mm -hmm. connecting the dots between your platform and platforms like, and I'm assuming when you talk about Microsoft, you're talking about either Azure or 365, right? In, you know, Google, Google Cloud, right? And those are very expansive conversations and the world's your oyster, you know, in terms of just being able to map to where the needs are and, you know, getting yourself to the right place. Yep. Um, but it's um it's you know it's a fantastic strategy and makes a ton of sense and it's very smart and very collaborative by the way just want yeah. to say very <laughs> collaborative so it's it's perfect it's perfect so and i mentioned that because if you don't do those types of things I, I think the way you framed your question i think you asked about the challenges there's obviously more challenges but from a product standpoint i think those types of integrations are expected from our customers at this point um, and it's one of the questions that we get asked a lot too when we are talking to these school district leaders is you know who do you integrate with who do you partner with because it makes sense um, you don't want to have your end users running like 10 tabs at a time right why not <clears throat> for all these different needs why not bring them all together um, and that's what we're getting better and better at each day so yeah, and that's been, you know, the very steady path of technology, you know, moving yep. from, uh, you know, world of proprietary, this is my box to everything being open, you know, and Microsoft's got a very sorted story there that, you know, has evolved to a point where today everything is very open, but once upon a time, you know, it either, you know, think about it, once upon a time, things either ran on Microsoft or they ran on Apple, you know, and today pretty much everything runs in the cloud and it's, yep. you know, it's very open. So it's, it's very thoughtful. Great point. Yeah. Um, Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Great topics. Uh, I, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. I felt like, you know, very, very insightful, thoughtful. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for you. having us. This no, was fun. You. I wish I wish every 10 a.m. Friday morning meeting could be this. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, thanks again. Thanks, everybody, who's been uh, tuned in to our story here today. And we look forward to uh, you joining us at our next episode. Bye, everybody.